0: Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level at awaken we only want to preach fresh real powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with god develop your faith so you can take more territory i'm praying that god blesses you and Look, enriches we're going to get right into it as you listen I have to this amazing minutes. word from god god bless it's,
1: you. we're supposed to be preaching in a series called that'll preach it's a movie series and i preached once about fight club and that's probably the only time you'll ever get to see fight club in a, in a church service ever, but to be honest, that's like probably the only movie I've ever seen all the way through. I fall asleep in every movie, all of the time. It doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter if it's 3 p.m. If you put me in a couch and turn a movie on, I'm asleep. So there really wasn't much for me to preach on. I was gonna do Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't, so sorry to disappoint you. It was funny because I was preparing, and I'm like, okay, what's, what's a cool movie? What's a fun movie? What's something that'll connect? And God's like, you're trying to be too slick. He's like, what will preach is your life. Yeah. We're in this series called That'll Preach. And he said, what will preach is your life. You know, and, and even more importantly than what will preach is what will make a difference. Yeah. It doesn't really do us any good as a church if what we say sounds good on a Sunday but makes no difference Monday through Saturday. Our our goal as a church is not to preach cool things. And just so you know, like my goal, our goal for where we wanna go tonight is that what we hear, what we read, what we pray for, what we believe would ultimately change our lives and make an impact in the city. I know, a crazy concept, right? It'd be a crazy concept that actually, if we believed what the Bible said, it would change something in us. That we wouldn't leave the same. Oh, there we go. Back. I mean, what, how, how terrible would it be if for 10 years I came here and I was the same person that I was when I got here? And, and how lame would it be as a church if I've been here for 10 years and I haven't made a single difference in anybody else's life? The goal should always be to make a difference in your life and in the life outside of this. So our our focus when we come to church isn't like, well, you know, that was an average message. You know, I I got a little bit out of it. No, we're not trying to be entertained. We're gonna be empowered in church to make a difference in our life and make a difference everywhere we go, amen? I heard this really um, sarcastic and pretty sad, comment from Bill Maher the other day. He said, to most Christians, the Bible is like a software license. Nobody actually reads it. They just scroll to the bottom and click. I agree. Yikes. I mean, but how many Christians come on a Sunday and then struggle to get through a devotional? We've got a disconnect where it's like, we want to be, we want to kind of like do Christian, but not be Christian. And that's that's our calling as a church is is that you would get here and something would change in your life. Yeah. That that we should look differently. We should be different. You know, we're not meant to be these like mullet Christians. We're like from one angle, if you get it just right, it looks like I got everything together. But like if I turn around, it's like, "My God, what is going on back there?" It's like that. <laughs> mullet Christianity doesn't work. <laughs> And it, you know, I don't even know where that came from. You know, we get, we get criticized for being a prosperity church. And, and I get it because Christianity isn't meant to be this like single lane prosperity thing where, where you make a ton of money and you live super comfortably, but you have no other fruit. Like we're polishing the outside to the world, but not changing on the inside. Jesus actually curses the tree that looked good, but had no fruit. So, so what are we doing? Why are we trying to clean everything up to then not be any different than the world? So that, what we'll preach is a changed life. What we'll preach is you encountering something real that makes a difference and stands apart from the world. There's more for us. You know, Jesus isn't, You know, he's not like a washcloth that we use on Sundays to like clean up the mess that we got into during the week. And it's like, oh my God. Okay, here comes Mike again. I can't believe, like, it's not this bath that we take to get clean. Jesus is better than like a slightly more enlightened yoga teacher to make me feel better on a Sunday. Like there is more in the Bible and in church than just that. So if that's all we're getting, then we're not getting what God has for us. And we're not being what he called us to be. And he he actually calls us to more. He calls us to be a light. How can we shine bright if we look like everything else in the world? I would actually say that you're not a light if everywhere you go, you match where you are. You, You can't be a light and look just like where you are. If I am in this room and I turn on a flashlight, it makes zero difference. So I'm not a light in that room. I need to be different in the rooms I go into. In fact, we were talking about this today. We should be winning. We should be winning. Winning is shining. Losing is not a, being a light to this world. The Christians, what we have access to, the power that we have, the healing that can happen, the restoration that's possible, we should be winning everywhere we go, which isn't to say, it's not to say that you won't ever go through hard things. And it's not to say that if you walked in here today, broken, that you should be disappointed in yourself. But what I've seen in my life is when you connect to God, you're gonna have a fruitful life and you are gonna start winning and your winning life is gonna attract people to say, what's different about you? Why were you able to bear this, to endure this, to produce this, to be like this? That's what he's calling us to do is be a light in the world. Amen. So, The Bible talks a lot about producing and producing is prospering. And so we talk a lot about having permission to be prosperous, but what I wanna challenge us to do is that prosperity is also not one dimensional. The Bible talks a lot about being fruitful. The first commandment is be fruitful and multiply. He says that connected to him, if we meditate on his word and we're connected to him, that we can bear fruit in every season. He actually says, they will know us by our fruit. He says, again, to be fruitful and multiply. I asked myself this question, I was writing this, the title of my message is Be Fruitful, is what is fruit? Like real question, it's kind of hard to describe, like what is fruit? Like it's this thing that grows on the end of a tree, but we can't really make it. Like, how do you describe fruit to somebody? So that's what we're gonna talk about. I have a lot of slides, thank you, media team. So, so basically, I have two points. The first that is describing fruit is that fruit is the evidence of yesterday's faithfulness. Fruit is the evidence of yesterday's faithfulness. Here, here's, here's what happens is that it takes faith to initiate something. It takes faith to start something. The world wants immediate gratification, like we want Amazon Prime to be faster. Like, can you, can you, sh- can this be here in an hour? That's not faith, that's indulgence. <laughs> Guilty of that. I mean, we can have any kind of food in the world delivered to our house in like seven minutes. That's not faith. What what faith is, is saying, I see something good. I see something possible. I see something that you're saying can happen, so I'll start it. And you have to wait to experience it. And it it will not come to you tomorrow. Just in my life, in our wives, my wife and I's lives, it's taken time for produce to grow for something healthy, for the thing at the end of the vine to actually be produced, to be produced, to be fruitful, to be healthy, to be whole, it took time. And there's faith in waiting. So how do we make fruit? Simple answer, we don't. The Bible even says this in Mark four. He says, this is what the kingdom is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. How triggering is that? He's saying, you don't get to understand how the fruit grows. You don't even get to participate except the initiation. He's saying, if you plant it, if you do what you can do, I'll do what I can do. That's faith. You do what you can do, and I will do what I can do. Jesus is even more cutthroat, In John 15, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying you cannot produce fruits. I produce fruits. You don't get to microwave fruit, you don't get the Amazon Prime fruit, you don't even get to experience what it's like. There's a mystery part of putting something in the ground and then what comes to the other end being something that you didn't know was possible. That's faith. Yesterday's faithfulness is the evidence. So what is a seed? Seed is the potential. And the only way a seed can produce is if you let it die. And it's how faithfully counterintuitive is that? I have to let something die for something to live? That doesn't add up, but that's faith. I can have a seed on a shelf for forever, a seed in my hand for forever, but until I put it in the ground, nothing happens. All of the potential is in the seed. Things I don't even understand are in the seed, but it will not happen until I let it die. It's the initiation process that's confounding, that doesn't add up, that God's saying if you'll do that, something will be produced. So there's also a process. I don't like that part. (laughs) Again, I want to microwave my fruit. It'll probably be disgusting. I don't recommend you try that. But like how, like minute meals aren't fast enough. I want it now. (laughs) And he's like, it's going to take time. The things I'm going to heal in your life, the things I'm going to heal in your heart, The things I'm gonna heal in your marriage, the things I'm gonna heal in your work, the things I'm gonna heal in your family will take time. But we have to be faithful through the process because possibly the temptation would be to go, well, it didn't grow, let's move it somewhere else. Let's plant it here. Well, it didn't grow, let's pick it up, let's move it somewhere else. Let's try, you know what? That hurt, I'm gonna put it on the shelf. And he's saying if you will leave it in the ground long enough, it will produce what it's supposed to produce. I don't like this but it takes the time it takes. My wife couldn't force pregnancy to be 3 months. She probably wanted to. She had to put up with me and another kid and she had to be pregnant. She's like, "Let's let's fast forward that. How do we get out of this season?" But it takes the time it takes. Bible encourages us so, it says in Galatians 6, 9, it says, do not allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Nothing healthy grows overnight, amen? Amen. Second point, how are we doing on time? Gosh, we have tons of time. I probably should have played the movie clip. (laughs) Second point is the fruit is the evidence of yesterday's obedience. No one likes that word. Fruit is the evidence of yesterday's obedience. See, faith is required to start something, but obedience is required to continue something. It is easy to plant something. It's hard to maintain it. It's hard to continually check, nurture, monitor, and and endure the process. What I found is that really quickly, I want to do my will, not his will but that's not obedience. Obedience is saying, you know what? Like my body, my mind, my head, everything wants to do this thing, but obedience says, I'm gonna do that thing. Obedience is laying down the things that are impulses in our lives, but God's saying, that's not the best way. I have a better way. They're pretty clear on this in Galatians which is good because the more simple it is, the easier I understand it. Galatians 5 says, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So if you feel conflicted during the week, this is why. We are wired this way, to be in opposition to what our flesh wants to do, what the spirit of the world would say for you to do, and what God is saying is what I want you to do. Galatians 6.8 says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Yeah, that's fun. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap life. He's talking about sowing because he's saying what you put into the ground is what you're going to produce. Romans doubles down on this. Romans 8.5 says, for those who live according to the flesh, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Next next line, Romans 8, 6 says the mind is governed by the, uh, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. That's what I want. You know, we what gets a lot more attention than the fruits of the Spirit are the gifts of the Spirit. But God is not impressed with me operating in my gifts. He gave them to me. He's like, I designed you to do this. It does not impress me that you use the thing I gave you. That's not even obedience. You enjoy it. (laughs) Right? That's why we talk very little about the fruits of the spirit, because they are in direct opposition to what we want to do. Love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, patience. We don't want that. I mean, we think we want it. We quote it. (laughs) But the reality is is that our body wants the opposite of that or else it'd be easy. And it it says that the Holy Spirit produces that in us. We don't produce that. He produces it in us by us agreeing to align with the Spirit. To put it plainly, the devil wants you to eat the fruit. God wants you to produce fruit. The devil's gonna tempt you to say, eat this indulge in this, be selfish, you deserve it. God's saying, die to that and produce. I've called you to bear much fruit and it's not for you, it's for everybody else. The devil's gonna tempt you and he's gonna say, no one's looking, it's easier this way. And God's saying, no, no, no. I promise you there's a better way, die. Submit, bury. They're all super fun words. No one wants to hear any of those words, but I promise you the fruit of those words is worth it. The fruit of those words is worth it. So that's what fruit is. It's it's obeying, it's burying ourselves as the seed to produce something in the spirit. Amen. Come on. So we got that's what fruit is, that's how we produce, but I'm a super practical guy. What are we supposed to produce? What fruit? Well, the Bible talks about nine fruits. That's what we're supposed to produce. Again, remembering the goal of this is that what we read, what we believe, what we pray for makes a difference in our life and impacts the world we're in. That's why we're meant to produce fruit. The fruit is not for us. A tree does not eat its own fruit. A tree does not eat its own fruit. What we're meant to produce is for other people. So we're going to go in. There's nine of them. Again, you might have memorized them, but hearing it in church, but no one ever explaining it to me didn't help me produce it. So I felt called to just dig deep into each one of these and say, okay, well, what, what does the fruit look like? And then what do I have to bury to get that? So we're going to start with love. Love, to me, is selfless. It's giving, it's devoted, it's putting others' needs above your own. It's more than just a feeling. That sounds like a song. (laughs) So that all sounds great, but how do you produce that? For me, what I had to do in my life, and I'm just going to throw myself under the bus, I had to bury fantasy. For so much of my life, I had spent so much time looking at porn that fantasy, what, what would that other woman be like that I couldn't produce love in my marriage? So I had to bury fantasy. I had to bury fear. My mom died when I was young. My best friend died like two years after that. I had incredible heartache. But to produce love, I had to bury heartache. I had to say, God, I know that the spirit of the world would say, like, hold on to that. Put up these barriers. Like, Don't let people get close. But if I don't let people get close, then I'm not producing the fruit of love. How could I love somebody that's not close? I can pretend I love them, but I'm not actually producing love as a fruit. Unforgiveness, apathy, self-preservation, self-hatred. That was something I had to, I had to bury, something I had to lay down and let God heal because I had, I had started to believe this lie that everyone's gonna leave you. Everyone you love is going to either hurt you or die. So don't love anyone. So then I couldn't love anyone. So I had to, I had to take that thing as painful as it was and say, I'll trust you that I, I believe what you're saying. So I'm going to let it change me by doing the obedient thing, which is planting and then waiting for it to heal allowing myself to be put in a place of correction, of healing, of prayer, where I wasn't, again, this is not mullet Christianity, like Mike's been saved for one week. Yep, got it all figured out. It was coming to men's prayer. It was getting in a connect group. It was going to pastors like Pastor Matt McKaylin saying like, we have something broken in our marriage. Can you help us? Like, we don't want to pretend we have it all together. We want to produce real fruit not fabricated fruit, not fake fruit, not that fruit that looks like rubber on a table that you bite but isn't actually fruit. Like that's not what we're meant to be to the world. Second fruit, joy. To me, joy has really become gratefulness that I can in any season be grateful for something. It's also an endurance to, to delight that something, no person, no circumstance can take away. You know, happiness really is based on happenings. So if your goal is happiness, then you will be like on a wave of whatever happens to you. But that's not joy. Joy is meant to be anchored in something. So what, what did I have to bury? Self-sabotage. I, I would start to rehearse a lot of really self-defeating things. And I would even procrastinate and delay things so much that I couldn't enjoy them. And one of the biggest things I needed to break was complaining. I could tell you all about how bad things were. Even if they went good, they weren't good enough. And if they went bad, I had a lot to tell you about. But that stole all of my joy. Complaining is something that you have to bury. As good as it might feel in the minute, it's not producing fruit. I had to stop rehearsing past disappointments. I even had to stop regretting my failures. There were things that were blatantly my fault, but continually going over and over and over again in that was poisoning any win and any fruit that I had currently. So I had to bury that. Peace, number three, peace. For me, this has looked like rest. I was so restless before I started to learn how to heal and produce in this. It's, this will sound Christianese, but it is the confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. But that's where my peace comes from. The Bible says explicitly, if I bring everything to him in prayer, that's where I receive the peace that's beyond understanding. So what did I have to do to have peace? probably one of the hardest things for me to do was get rid of comparison and I'm still not great at it. It's it, to me, that's a daily thing. It's like, well, how come he's got that? Well, how come they got that? But we did that twice as long ago as they did it. And we still don't have that. How come he, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it steals. Comparison steals. I had, I was an overprocessor on what ifs. I would just go, well, then if that happened and then that happened, and well, he probably meant this, and if he didn't mean that, then he probably meant this. And the whole reason we didn't get invited to this, but so I had to bury that. God's like, that is not serving you. That is producing zero peace in your life. You have anxiety because you refuse to bury the things that I've said are not serving you. That's how you get peace. Why didn't you invite me, Sam? Huh just kidding. You know, probably, probably another thing, men, that we do is we strive. We're like, well, if it didn't work this time, if I try twice as hard and stay up twice as long and double down, it'll work. (laughs) There is not peace in striving. There's peace and rest. How are we doing? Eight minutes. We can do this. Patience. Can we, side note, Can we stop being, my wife will hate that I'm saying this. Can we stop being the Christians that go, don't pray for patience. I I refuse to believe that God's like, ooh, gotcha. (laughs) Listen, he prayed for patience. (laughs) Let me see what I'm gonna drop in his life tomorrow. Like God isn't playing a trap around your honest prayer. (laughs) You can pray for patience. I think, I think what we're really looking for, though, is perseverance. How, how do I have the capacity to endure, to persevere, to not give up? Patience is like waiting on a couch for your package to arrive. Perseverance is, you know what, I'm getting out of bed and I'm going back to that thing and I won't give up and I'm gonna keep doing the right thing and I will not give up on my marriage and I will not give up on my finances and I'll keep working and I'll keep pressing. That, that is patience. That's the fruit. So what do we bury? Jealousy, resentment, annoyances, Woo, marriage. If you wanna be patient in your marriage, bury annoyances. That wet towel on the floor is not serving your marriage if you keep bringing it back up. I'm preaching to myself. We just renewed our vows. I'm not supposed to bring up wet towels. Kindness is the next fruit. This one we probably all love because it sounds easy, but are we actually producing kindness? Like in your life, have you produced kindness? Compassion, mercy, courtesy, selflessness. And the, the, the challenge in this is to do it to your enemies. Or as the Bible would say, to the least of these. We can be kind to our best friends. Like, yeah, it's easy to buy your best friend a kind birthday present. But can you be kind to the person in the corner that's being overlooked? Can you be kind to the person who just smashed you on Instagram? Can you be kind in, in, to the person as you're waiting in line at the airport to get your coffee? I don't know. I don't know if we're kind. I don't know if we're producing that kind of fruit. That's tough. It is tough. It is tough. Especially if you fly Southwest, you're God. <laughs> that's a whole nother message. But what I had to bury, again, just being candid, was entitlement. I was like, I'm better than that. As I I go into my A1 seat in Southwest, like, can you get me pretzels sooner? I can't be kind to the person who's boarding me in the plane. Give me a break. It's entitlement. It's like elitist mentality that I had, that I had to go, why are you so stuck up? You're not that cool. This is just me speaking to myself. You know, envy, animosity, Sarcasm, again, I'm preaching to myself. It works good in comedy, but it's terrible for kindness. If if, if what we're doing is constantly, jokingly tearing people down, that's not kindness. That's not what the world needs, is a bunch of banter and sarcasm. Feels good, but it's not producing fruit. Goodness. Some versions, translations would call this generosity. So generosity is actually a fruit of the spirit. Honor, integrity. Probably the best way I could put it is not just doing the right thing, but making things right. Making things right where you go. That's what we're supposed to do. What I had, what I had, to, what I had to bury, what I had to put in the ground was vengeance, deceit, dishonesty, abusing positions and people. And, and it sounds harsh when you say it, but can you be candid enough to go like, man, I've I trampled over that person. Or I, I told this person I was gonna do this thing and I didn't. I was clearly dishonest. Faithfulness. Probably the best word I have for this is stewardship. Did what you get entrusted with get better? Faithfulness can be consistency, it can be integrity, but really the way the Bible shows it in the parable of the talents is its growth. Did you improve that which was entrusted to you? You know, we can be like, ah, sweet Betsy. She's shown up every Sunday for a hundred years. But that's not faithfulness. It's not just showing up. He says to the guy that did nothing with it, he didn't say thank you for continually showing up. He said, the one that was faithful is the one that improved what I gave him. That's what faithfulness is. And to you that are employees, that's what our bosses are asking of us. I entrusted you with this. The position I gave you, it has trust with it. Will you make it better? Will you do more than what I gave you? Side note, just, we should always be delivering more than it's expected. I used to get really frustrated. I'm a photographer and people early on in my career didn't want to pay me what I thought I was worth. And I would get so mad at them. I'd just be like, well, they don't get what they're, I should be making this much. And and the the, the tendency was to hold back, to not give them what, only give them what they paid for. But that's not Bible. I should always be giving people more than they expected. I should always be delivering beyond expectations. If I'm gonna call myself a Christian, if I'm gonna believe in what Jesus said I should do, it's not do the bare minimum for the least that I was paid. That's not how we are faithful. Two minutes, gentleness. This is being sensitive. I'm not good at that. Thank you, thank you, I receive that calming, healing, empathetic. Because my tendency, honestly, one of the things I had to bury was my desire to argue. I go, yeah, that's what you think? Let me tell you all the reasons you're wrong. And even if I know that what you said, I'm gonna argue to make you say it the right way that I like you saying it. So I I had to bury, I had to bury the opposite of that. Insensitivity, immediate emotional reactions. Like if I get flared up instantly, that's not the fruit of the spirit. God's kind of saying, tone that down. You can be frustrated, but you cannot scream. You are not a child. You are an adult. You are an adult. <laughs> Last one, least fun one, self-control. Self-control. I, I led a very uncontrolled life. I was disciplined in all the things that didn't matter. I could dress the right way, I could speak the right way. I knew how to get into the right club, talk to the girl the right way. I had figured out that game, but that's not the fruit he wants us to produce. Self-control is being disciplined, managed, restrained under pressure, under temptation, and in the face of triggering things. I had to let die addiction justified sin. There'd be times, even when I was here, where it was like, yeah, you deserve that. Do that. But that's indulgence. That's not self-control. But the Bible says that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. A man with a sound mind has self-control. That's what we're called to be. And that can be a sensitive subject because There can be damage with those of us who don't have self-control. I almost train wrecked our marriage because I didn't have control. But the fruit of the Spirit is saying, I'm gonna, even if it's painful, even if it feels better to be medicated, even if it feels better to be numb, even if it feels better to be acknowledged, I'm gonna die to that so I can produce your fruit. So those are the fruit. Those are the fruit i'm gonna close quick this is this is again i've said this before but this is the this is the it's a it's a choose your hard situation being in shape is hard but being out of shape is hard being married is hard being divorced is hard Being and producing the spirit of patience is hard, but the opposite is also hard. God is saying, what hard do you want to choose? The one that leads to death or the one that leads to life? Those are the only choices. There's no gray area. There's no middle ground. There's no, well, the path that, let's choose the path of least resistance that does not exist here in these choices. Just some scripture to encourage us galatians 5 24 it says those who belong to christ jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there that's what we get to do tonight this is not me calling you out to convict you this is christ saying you know what i paid for that and i have a better way and if you nail it to my cross it says his cross There's freedom there. Romans 13, 14 says, rather clothe yourself with Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. He's saying, put me on, choose me, choose my way. And lastly, we went over this once before, but Galatians 6, 9 says, do not allow yourselves to be weary and planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. So with every eye closed, I, I just want to encourage you to say a prayer tonight. Not to avoid change, but to embrace it. The prayer that I would encourage you, that, I, that I've made my prayer, is God, do in me, whatever you need to do, so I'll exhibit your fruit. God, do in us tonight whatever you need to do so we would exhibit your fruit. Heal us. Refresh us. Restore us. Repair us. God, we thank you that if any one of these or all nine of them triggered us, God, let let us be the Christians, the believers, who don't just read your word, but do your word, that produce the fruit you called us to produce, to be the light you want us to be, God to go out in the world and shine so bright, so differently than what the world has called us, so differently than what our friends has wanted us to do, God, that it makes a difference in our world. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we know it is only through you that we can produce these things. And we want to, we see it in faith. We see we see the happiness, we see the joy, we see the pace, the peace, the self-control, God. And we say, Do it in our lives. Do it in our homes. Do it in our business place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's one other thing real quick. Two people, two groups of people I wanna pray for because God does wanna heal us spiritually, but he also wants to heal heal us physically. Two of the areas in our lives, my wife and I's lives, that we had the most barrenness, the places that we were producing the least amount of fruit was when we were believing for kids and had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And then when I was struggling to produce in my finances. And I think they're almost equal. I think for men to be unfruitful in your work, to be barren in what you bring home is almost the same level of shame and pain as to a woman or a family that's trying to produce kids. But now, standing on the other side of that We have two miracle babies and our finances have been miraculously restored. So I want to pray for those two groups of people and I realize that it's sensitive, but I don't do it from a place of not knowing that pain. I do it from a place where I was broken here with my arms raised over the book of miracles with my wife and I crying as other people said, that's not the That's not it, Jesus can heal. Jesus can bring miracles. Jesus can heal bodies. Jesus can restore families. Jesus can do the miraculous. So I want everybody to stand to your feet. And I'm gonna ask you something courageous tonight because you did decide to come here. And what I believe miraculously is that you can leave differently than you came in. If you need a miracle either in your house to produce a miracle baby, or to have a miracle in your finances i want to raise your hands and our church together around you we're going to pray together come on everybody if there's somebody next to you with their hands raised i want you to raise your hands i want you to Pray and prophesy like this is your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad that needs a miracle. Heavenly Father, God, we call down the miraculous and powerful works of the name of Jesus. God, we declare if you can do it for us, you can do it for them. You are no respecter of people, God. We declare that where there has been barrenness, we release life in the name of Jesus, God. Miracle children tonight, God. We thank you that you are reviving. You are restoring you are healing families god we break discouragement we break fear we break doubt and shame in the name of jesus god heavenly spirit move heal god we declare that you are doing what only you can do making a way when there does not seem to be a way god the could be miraculous production god for businessmen and women god release your provision Miracles and finances, God. What looks like bankruptcy, let it be overflow. What looks like limit, let it be surplus. What looks like lack, God, let it be your favor and your grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,
0: "Wow, what an amazing word!" I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com